But I remember actually sticking my foot down and being like, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm going to do. And having that innate strength of like, all right, cool. Whatever's next, I fucking got this. I'll figure this thing out. And feeling joy from that because I was able to make those decisions from that place and be able to walk through that. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Make It Inevitable podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Zamora, and today we have a very special guest, my partner in life, love, and business, the Nick McGowan. Nick, my love, welcome. Oh, thank you. Hello, everyone. (laughs) Let's start with you sharing a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do. Um, So a little bit about myself. I am originally from Philly. I have some spice to me. Uh, some people say I curse like a fucking sailor, and uh, they're kind of fucking right. I use it as a flavor. I don't usually direct it at people, so makes me feel all right with it. Uh, I'm a creative. I'm somebody who's um, – I've been through a lot of trauma. There's been a lot of stuff that has happened over the course of my life, stemming from not wanting to be uh, – I wasn't wanted as a kid. That's the easiest way to put it. Uh, I wasn't planned. Uh, there was a party one night and then a few months later, it was like, oh, by the way, you're going to have a kid. And oh, by the way, it was with that guy. And then it kind of went on from there. Um, I am a very feely person, very emotional uh, and a musician as well. And I've kind of struggled throughout life trying to figure out how do I say the things that I'm feeling. And sometimes it's really difficult to be able to put those into words. So I've put them into music and words with that, lyrics, things of that sort. Um, But I've been on a path of growth. Uh, I think personal growth is kind of an overstated thing, but I've been on a personal growth path since I was probably 18, 19, something like that. Um, Shortly after I overdosed on heroin. So, uh, there's that. I guess we might get into that as well. Um, outside of that, uh, you and I, look at that. We have our own business. Uh, we actually joined forces earlier this year and uh, joined our company together to be able to help people figure out what their purpose is in life, what their calling is, help them work through their traumas, help them work through all the stuff that they've gone through and figure out what their channel for change is whether it be a book or a podcast or a business, because those are things that you and I have done. Um, You and I met through my podcast. Your assistant had reached out to me about setting up a time for us to talk and uh, having you on the show. And I typically didn't do uh, intro calls, but I mean, look at you. And (laughs) so I did, and I'm glad I did. I almost canceled that call and maybe we can get to that as well. Um, But at the core of who I am, I'm somebody who's uh, really, really, really deeply curious about life, how things work. I don't think that I have an engineer's mind, but I do like to know the inner workings of things, how they broke apart, how they are pieced back together, because that's been a lot of what my life has been, trying to figure out how do I break apart? How do I piece myself back together? Who do I lean on for that? Who do I lean away from? You know, et cetera. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. This episode, we're going to talk about creating resonance with what, and in our case, who you want, even though neither of us was really actively looking. (laughs) Um, I had in 2022 been doing what a friend and I were calling experiments, where we were just kind of letting life unfold, and the people that came into our sphere went on a handful of random 
date not dates, but wasn't any wasn't actively looking for partnership. Felt like I was finally ready. It was something that I said to my therapist probably late summer of last year. I said, I think I'm 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 ready to meet my person. And I said it with like calm, centered, warmth, bit of excitement. And she actually cried because she had seen me through so much relationship trauma for so long, especially when I was like, I I don't ever want to hear someone tell me they love me again. Like that seems like such an act of violence. And I spent last year personally aligning myself with the life that I wanted to live, working on my healing, my health, business, buying the camper, just trying to become the person that I wanted to be as aligned as possible. And in doing that, ended up very seamlessly aligning with you, who I consider to be my twin flame, which for anyone listening, I want to say, I used to think that that was such a dumb thing, twin flame, (laughs) because people use it to talk about like toxic relationships. Oh, he's my twin flame. Like he doesn't ever return my calls, but our souls were split. (laughs) And that was my only understanding of twin flames. But when I met you and we got to know each other very quickly, very intentionally, I finally understood what that meant. Like, you are my match. You are my other half, not in the sense that I'm incomplete as a person. Like when we met, and obviously I want you to share your story, but I know I felt very whole for the first time in a very long time. Whole as myself, whole in my life, whole in my work. Sure, I was still working through things and navigating my path, but I wasn't looking for someone to complete me. So to meet you was like, you feel like the other half of my soul. And there's so many ways where we're almost exactly similar in a lot of ways that you can see where our souls had to mm-hmm. go on their own little journeys. <laughs> but I wasn't looking and you weren't really looking either. Yet all the work that we had done led us to that moment where it was the perfect time for both of us to connect and step into this and go all in on this. So I would love for you to share as far back as you want, what your path looked like leading up to when we finally came together. So as you're talking about this and thinking, how far back do I go? Do I go back two years or a year and a half? Do I go back eight and a half, nine years or shit? Do I go way far back? Uh, I'd mentioned, uh, I mentioned in my little intro about overdosing on heroin. So let me kind of start around that time. Uh, in high school, I was an art kid. I was one of those kids that hated school. I fucking hated school. Didn't want to be in school. I didn't feel like they wanted me to be in school. In fact, when the whole Columbine thing happened, I actually went home sick like an hour or two before that happened. And they called me into the principal's office the next day when I got home or when I got back into school. And they were like, hey, we just want to make sure you're all right. You and your mohawked friend and a few other people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, the fuck is this? And I remember thinking like uh, I felt like an outcast. And like I was tied in with what these murderous kids did and there was shit that they went through. Um, and I remember just thinking like, fuck that, I'm done. That was what, 11th grade, something like that. And uh, I had a meeting with a counselor, just like every 11th grader does. Like, let's get you into college. Let's make sure you're prepped and ready to go. And I've said this in different podcast episodes, some of my own, some with uh, – being a guest on other people's shows, but that counselor said something along the lines of, well, we can get you into music school or we can get you in art school, but you're probably not going to make any money. So uh, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, 
peace out. Like, I want to go. I want to get out of this room for one. But I didn't want to be part of the school anymore. I didn't want to do any of it. And I really took, um, I took the creativity that I had and I leaned on it, but I didn't really lean into it. As an art kid, I would just be like, oh, I've got a project in art. Maybe like, whatever, get out of the classroom, go down there and do it. Little did they know, I knocked out all of my projects in the first like quarter of the year and then just basically fucked off and went home. I lived around the corner from school, so it was beautiful. Uh, my mom also worked m- multiple jobs. So <laughs> worst case, I think there was one time I got caught. She was like, what the fuck are you doing home? I was like, uh, lunch. I'm lunching. She's like, really? Didn't I give you money? I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you did. I should probably go to the store or something. She's like, get your ass back to school. I was like, okay. And then I walked back home when she was done. Um, but I didn't really, didn't like school and I didn't know what I wanted to do. <clears throat> and I remember getting out of school and uh, getting into a band, being on that path, thinking I'm going to make it big. I'm going to be this big rock star. And uh, everybody else in the band, they were a little younger, maybe like a year or two years, something like that. So by the time they got out of high school, they went off to college and everything just blew up. Um, not in a good way, but we were being looked at by some big labels as an 18 year old. I'm glad now that that didn't happen because I would have been dead like six months yeah. into a tour. I'd have been, <laughs> I'd have put all these drugs and all this shit into my system. Cause I didn't fucking know what was going on. I was trying to mask a lot of the pain that I went through as a child and a lot of the stuff that I was trying to figure out just how do I, how do I do life? What do I do? And I, uh, at one point, um, was friends with a couple neighbor people like a few blocks away and long story short, ended up doing heroin. I didn't know it was heroin at the time. I thought it was something else. It's still pretty fucking stupid. I get it. But, uh, I thought it was something else. Ended up doing it, ended up overdosing. One of the people that were there kind of beat the hell out of me to make me throw up and get it out of my system. And I remember walking home. It was like two blocks away and looking up being like, all right, God, well, I'm still here. So what do you want me to do? What should I do from here? And I think it was the next day or the day after I was sitting at the kitchen counter with the newspaper, looking at the classifieds, because that's how old I am, um, looking at the classifieds thinking, what do I do? What kind of job do I get? And I'd been told for years and years that I could talk to people. Clearly, I just keep talking. Um, and I can have conversations with people. I can sell ice to an ex- Eskimo or ketchup popsicles to a lady in white gloves, which I always thought was extra special. Um, so I figured maybe I'll get into sales or uh, phone calls, you know, like uh, sales calls and things of that sort. So I started to walk down that path. And I started to figure out that I was not only good at that, but I could be safe. I could be secure. I could, at that point, I was really starting to lean into my winning strategy and figure out like, this is how I can be uh, exceptional. And this is what I can do to show up in this sort of way. That led me into multi-level marketing, which I didn't know what any of that was. You know, I remember people being like, you're part of a pyramid scheme. I was like, maybe, but I'm making money and I'm trying. What the fuck are you doing? Um, And that was my first step into personal development. I remember seeing somebody at one of the first meetings I went to who had pulled up in a really nice Mercedes, had a really nice suit, and the guy seemed cool. He didn't seem super fake. And I'd seen different fake people and growing up in 
uh, sort of a rich dad, poor dad situation where my mom was kind of poor and my dad had money. So I saw kind of both sides of that, but I didn't see a lot of, um, a lot of excess money. Um, but these people seem to have a lot of excess money, or at least they kind of showed it. But I saw this one guy being at the front of the room and I thought, who the fuck is that guy? What does he do? And how can I be his friend? So I made friends with him. Little did I know he was one of the really, really, really high ups in the whole organization, not only in that area, but the whole company. And he, in some ways kind of took me under his wing. And I remember going down that path for a few years, trying to, um, learn and trying to understand what other people are doing and getting deeper into my winning strategy. But that's where I learned about Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, and a handful of other people that I really started to eat things up. John Maxwell, especially. I dug into all of that stuff because I also got into Christianity at that point. I was a, I was raised Catholic um, and I had a lot of Christians in my family, but I had a, I had a deep beef with God for a long time. Because I, I felt like an outcast. I felt like I was kicked away and like I wasn't wanted and wasn't loved and I didn't know what to do. And remember there were times like I would just curse at God. And I joke about it now where I actually say to people, like, if you can point out somebody who's never done that, I can show you a liar right there because everybody can guarantee Everybody has been like, what in the fuck? Even if that's not how you said it, it's still along the same lines. Um, but I started to walk down that path of personal development, got out of that, ended up getting into the car business. <laughs> this actually sounds terrible, doesn't it? Like going from multi-level <laughs> marketing to the car business. Like, I swear to God, I'm a good person. Um, but that led me into the car business, which led me into working with a dealership where we did a lot of uh, a lot of sales over the course of a few months, and it turned into a year or two, which then ultimately turned into another uh, a business uh, with a friend of mine at the time, where we became consultants in the car business as a young twenty something. Like I made a joke with somebody recently, I was a twenty two year old kid with a lip ring at a car dealership. I don't know, like fifteen hundred miles away from home. And getting into arguments with the sales managers and some of the people on the floor because they were like, look at this fucking kid. I was a fucking kid. I was a 22-year-old kid not knowing my ass from a hole in the ground, but I'm telling them how to how to do things. And I got into an argument with one guy who was like, tell that kid to get that shit out of his lip and then I'll listen to him. And I asked him, how long have you been doing this? And he said like 30 years or something. I was like, you've been doing the same thing 30 times in a row for an entire fucking year and you're not anywhere further. And like... I was just, I was in a rough spot because I was trying to be bigger than I was and I didn't know how to just be who I was because I didn't know who I was. And as I started to work through that, um, I got burnt out. I also had some <clears throat> trauma from the partnership that I was in, um, the business partnership with friend, a friend from high school and my best friend from high school as well. And then the recession hit <clears throat> and I went from making stupid money, what I thought was stupid money. Um, to being deeply in debt and <laughs> laying on a couch on my mom's porch back in my hometown. And I remember looking up and again, going, what the fuck, God? What is this? Like, I was doing all these things and I was traveling and experiencing and had all this money and I wasted it all. I didn't save any of it, which 
sucks. You know, now I really wish I had. Like, even if I just put like 10 or 20 grand in a savings account, I'd have been good. Um, instead, I ate a lot of it. I was very overweight. Um, I didn't know what to do with it. So I like went out and did these big lavish things and dumb shit. And I, I learned from that because I went from not having really any money to having lots of money and then having no money again and being in debt and lying on my mom's couch going, what the fuck do I do now? And I ended up working at a, uh, a music store. And then uh, from there, it led me into another company where I was on the phones. And I remember telling them like, look, I just want to be a phone monkey. Just put me on the phones. Just let me fucking talk to people. I know I was a director of training my own business before, but I don't want to do any of that. Just let me talk to people. So about three weeks later, I'm training people. And I was like, okay, <laughs> because I'd figured out there were holes. And I also was deeply into my winning strategy at that point. Well, back into it because I was in that situation again. I was there for a handful of years <clears throat> and had a buddy of mine who was a um, trainer for me when I had the consultant company. He and his wife wanted to start a company. I wanted to start a small social media marketing company. I say small because they wanted to focus on small businesses. And they were like, hey, we know that you can sell. <clears throat> we like you. We'd like for you to be a part of this. So why don't you come be a part of this? Uh, I ended up flying down to Florida to go meet with my grandparents. And I took my brother and sister and we're going to go on a cruise, like a full family time. And I invited my buddy and his wife to come over. Um, he and his wife came over. They also brought their daughter. And their daughter and I hit it off. And a few months later, I had been working with the company that we'd created. And she and I ended up getting married. It's a weird thing saying this to you. But, you know, <laughs> we've already had these conversations. You what? You were married? <laughs> Holy shit. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you worry. No more <laughs> with that person. Um, <clears throat> so she and I ended up getting married. Uh, took her from Florida to Philly. And... Um, the company I was working for, my nine to five, the corporate job, ended up letting me go. They, ended up, they fired me on 9-11. Um, and I remember walking out with my box of shit. And I was like, never forget. And they were like, what did you say? I was like, fucking whatever. And I just kept walking. And really, I, I mean, no offense to anybody that went through any of the craziness with 9-11. But that was something that I would never forget. I knew that this was a monumental moment. It was also tough to go home and be like, hey, um, what do you uh, what do you want to do for dinner tonight? I don't have a job anymore. Do you want to go get sushi? Or are you thinking like maybe tapas or something? And she was like, hold up. The fuck did you just say? I was like, I don't have a job anymore. What are we going to do for dinner? What do you want to go? I think I need a drink. Um, and that was pretty rough because I didn't know how to do any of that, what to do. Uh, and she was very security and stability driven. And I just moved her from Florida to Philly and told her I don't have the security and stability anymore. And she knew that I was an entrepreneur because I'd had a couple companies. So I was like, I'm going to do this thing full time with your parents. And she was like, you fucking kidding me? You haven't made a sale in a year. So what makes this any different? And that was a big gut punch because she was right. I hadn't made a sale in a year. So I went a little fucking crazy, took that, stuck that fire under my ass and made hundreds of sales, just digging deeper into my winning strategy, figuring out how do I be the man in all of this and how do I do all these things and just really digging into the hustle culture more and more and more because I was building a company, trying to do great things in life, trying to be a husband, trying to 
I was also playing uh, in bands at the time, church bands at the time. I'd stepped out of the the scene that I was in, playing in the rock bands that I had. And I was trying to do all these things and trying to do them all right and great and be exceptional. And it was really hard to do because sometimes I just wanted to fucking crumble. Um, and it got to a point where <clears throat> she and I moved from Philly we lived in Delaware for a little bit. I managed a property that my grandparents had. That's a little footer. Um, but we moved from there to Portland, Oregon. And I remember sitting in our apartment in Portland, nine stories up, overlooking a beautiful park. And I looked at her and went, what do you think now? It's been a year since you made a sale. What makes this any different? And I was like, fucking check this shit out. And I remember her going like, all right, fair enough. I got it. Um, and I wanted more out of that. I wanted to really be um, congratulated for it. Little did I know, she was actually holding a lot of resentment toward me and had been for quite some time. And I don't hold any resentment toward her for that, but that was just where she was at. And I thought I was doing everything I could to be able to supply the life that we could. Uh, it was interesting too, because she also thought of that time as a vacation year. She worked a small job and... We were able to go out and do things somewhat, but we were also really, really broke because we were taking all the money that we could to just pay our bills and putting all the rest of the money back toward the business to try to keep building the business. And we stepped out as the business from what we were doing to multiple other services and offerings, things that we could do. And it got really difficult for me to be able to hold myself to the level that I wanted to be held at uh, with my winning strategy. And it just drove me deeper and deeper and deeper into a darker and darker depression. And that's the first time I'm saying this, but throughout the course of life, I've had that depression. I've had dark moments. Uh, as a four on the Enneagram, I can sit really close to the edge of the void. And sometimes I can see it. Sometimes I can feel it. And sometimes I don't want any of that. I don't want any parts of it because it's scary and makes me think of the craziness that I have inside of me and the rage and the anger that I've had inside of me since I was a little kid. And I've started to work through some of that throughout my um, multi-level marketing days and the car business days and just overall personal growth. But I was doing a lot of intellectualizing it and trying to figure out how do I do these things? Just like, how do I put my brain into it? Because growing up, my dad was always telling me, think, 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 use your brain, use your brain. And I tried, but I'm really a feel, 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 use your emotions, use your emotions, and then think about it. But it took me a long time to be able to realize that. So there I was in Portland, thinking we're doing what we could as the business. The business was growing. I'd made a couple uh, partnership deals uh, with these big channels that could give us multiple deals. There was one that I think I closed 10 new uh, accounts in one day. And that was the most I'd ever closed because it was a channel, a franchise channel. And I was like, this is great. I could see sort of light at the end of the tunnel, but that light was really dim because all I wanted was death. And I just wanted to have it all stop. And I didn't know how to make any of it stop. And I felt like I needed to get out of the company or do something different. I could feel my soul just oozing out basically. And it got me to a point where I remember thinking I could just go to the top. I can easily walk off. Hell, I could probably even reach the soccer field that's not too far away if I just push a little bit. And feeling the euphoria of that. It makes me sad to think about that time. 
but it also makes me thankful that I can, <laughs> I can sit here now and think about that time because there was a moment where I remember thinking, all right, well, I'm going to jump or I'm not. I went, hold up, wait a fucking minute. You're going to what? Or you're going to what? And I kind of snapped myself out of it. And then a few months later, maybe literally like two or three months later, we ended up moving from Portland to Florida. And I used that time to be able to um, think through it and feel through it. And I remember we drove from Portland all the way to the middle of Florida. I did all the driving. Steph, you you know that's kind of how I roll. Um, <clears throat> and she did a lot of sleeping. So I did a lot of praying and thinking and just feeling through stuff and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And by the time we got to Florida, I was in the company still for maybe just a, a few more months, um, like four more, something like that. I remember at one point she and I were talking about having kids because I thought that's what you should do. You get married, you have a business, you make money, you have kids, you enjoy life that sort of way. Um, but we talked about having kids and at one point she'd said, well, you, you can't even afford for us to, um, live our lives. How could we have any kids or how could we have a dog even? So me being in that winning strategy, figured out what we could do. And we got two dogs, <laughs> not only one, but we got two dogs. I loved those dogs. I really did. Um, and I'm glad that we didn't have kids. Uh, because one, you and I wouldn't be together, <laughs> but <laughs> there was a lot of the, um, the feeling of like, these are the things I should be doing. And after a few months of being in Florida and trying to just be there and be with my ex-in-laws who are my business partners, um, I ultimately needed to go because I felt like if I didn't like that depression and that suicidal darkness was coming back. And I was like, I got to get out of this thing. And my ex-wife at the time had told me, she was like, you could, you could leave this and get a job making triple your income, probably like that. So I took that as another challenge. And I also, I left the company, which was a weird conversation to have with my in-laws at the time being like, well, I'm leaving the company. Your daughter and I are going to go do something different. Please don't hate us. Uh, which took me a little while to be able to get to that point where I could actually have that conversation. And then when I did and I stepped away from it, I took a solid month and a half to just be. I just played some music. I woke up when I was done sleeping. I read. I went outside. I enjoyed as much as I could, but I tried to separate myself from the shit that I was in. And then spent a couple months, literally two months, trying to figure out where do I want to go? Who do I want to work with? And I started interviewing companies. I know people go for when they go for jobs, they go into interviews, but fuck that shit. It's not the way I roll. I had interviewed these people and they were interviewing me, you know, rightfully so. And I got to different um, like uh, third and fourth interviews with some companies and ended up making the decision to go with a company that was in 3D graphics and animation. And I knew that I wanted to be in tech still. I didn't know if I wanted to be in sales anymore. So I'd looked at a couple of different marketing positions. That wasn't really my deal at the time. And I needed to be in a sales role. So I ended up getting into this company and she was fucking right. I tripled my income as soon as I signed the agreement. I remember being like, motherfucker, <laughs> like, son of a bitch. Look, I literally did it. Okay, cool. And then went along from there. Um, over the course of the next five years being in that company, 
I really went deeper into my winning strategy, but also started to pull away from things that I knew that I no longer wanted. One of the things I did when I took that little bit of sabbatical was I made a list. What are the things that I want? What are the things that I don't want? A simple thing was I don't want to make 150 fucking cold calls a day ever again. So I didn't. And I remember getting into this other job and they were like, well, you're going to need to make cold calls. I was like, no, I'm not. I'll show you. I'm not going to. And I didn't. And I kind of grew from there. But there were things that I knew. I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to do that. I wanted more of this. I wanted more of that. I started to lean into those a bit more. But that was really, I think, Steph, the, the breaking of where I was to be able to become who I am now. And even as I'm closer to 40, I still feel like a baby in all this shit because I'm still learning. And the more that I learn and grow and understand, the more that I knew that there was stuff for me to be able to work on, to be able to get to. So uh, over the first two or three years within that company, I was really going (laughs) deep into my winning strategy. I remember uh, I made a $180,000 sale and was on like cloud 15. I was so excited about it. And then the very end of the first year there, I took the CEO and the CMO to a big fortune, one of the 50 company or something. And we made a huge $150,000 sale, came home with money. And I remember thinking like, fuck yeah, this is year number one, you know, like what am I going to do in year number two? And year number two started off with me being completely overwhelmed to the point where my body shut me down. I had a rash between from behind my knees all the way up to my cheeks, a full body rash. Multiple dermatologists I went to couldn't tell me what what it was. In fact, one of them told me, well, whatever you ate, just don't eat that again. I, I'm not into violence, but I was, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Come on. What is that? Then I talked to two others that I told them, I think this is in my head. I think it's a mental thing. And they legitimately laughed at me. And I was like, well, you are both assholes. And I grabbed my shit and I walked out. Uh, But it was the body telling me to slow the fuck down and figure my stuff out. I was also going through the beginning stages of a divorce and I didn't know about it yet. And I started to figure out, what do I need to do? Like, what can I do? What do I want? And by the time 2019 came around, I started seeing a therapist again because I knew I needed help. I knew what that felt like being in Portland thinking, I just want to jump off the top of the building and I didn't want that again. So I started to talk to somebody again and I opened up and said, I may need to go through a divorce. And I remember driving home, it was like a 45 minute drive and it just hit me like, well, whatever you're going to do, just love her, love her through it. If you get a divorce, great. You would have at least loved through it. If you stay married you'll be in more love. I was like, cool, this makes total sense. Like I'm in. And it was also easy, you know, it was like an easy thing to just go, okay, cool. I can just love. What a beautiful thing. Like you and I talk sometimes, Steph, about um, honesty and not lying and how just some people get caught in their lies because they don't know what lie was upon another lie, which is stacked upon another lie. And like, I didn't want any of that. So I was just like, all right, I'm just going to lean in. I'm just going to love her through it. Then COVID hit. We were stuck in a house together and I remember needing to have conversations and there were times where I thought like, no, 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 don't have that conversation yet. Like everything's all right right now. Just be calm and there's craziness going out in the world and blah, blah, blah. But it did start to open up doors to have conversations. Then within a year, year and a half, she and I had deeper 
conversations, our own little come to Jesus moments in a sense of like, all right, this is, this is really starting to end now and unravel. How do we do this? What does this need to look like? And I think that was the beginning of where you and I uh, started to really head toward each other without knowing it. Uh, so that was no, um, May or so of 21. By July of 21, I'd gotten a divorce. She had moved out of the house. Uh, I spent some time at my dad's house in Philly for a number of weeks to just let her kind of gather her stuff and move about. Um, but I remember finally making the decision and saying to her like, hey, we need to get a divorce. We need to talk about this. And I felt not only empowered to be able to have that and thankful that I could say that, that I could actually be honest and open about it. But I felt felt like a weight was lifted off me because I could then start to really figure out what I want to do. Um, and I remember being away for a number of weeks, coming back and the house being empty. And that, that was sad. You know, my two dogs were gone. She was gone. The house is empty. There were holes where things were that was part of what we had. And I remember I got really sad. Like I just cried like a little baby, but it wasn't because I had missed her. It was because there was a piece of me that had died, but I needed it to. That was also the beginning of my true healing at that point. So I started to actually work through what had happened, think through what had happened over the course of the, the marriage and even before that, back to childhood. And what do I want to do? And what, am I, what do I think that I want to do? I had started coaching a few months before that. Just some friends were like, hey, I could really use some help from another man who's been through some tough shit. And then they referred me to some friends. So like a little bit of a small coaching business started to form from that. And I remember thinking, well, I could do this coaching thing. I'd even hired a coach to be able to help me do it. And I spent thousands of dollars to realize that it was kind of stupid. The guy didn't really help me much. And then I started to walk down this path to be able to create this whole big program. And I created this video and like all this shit. And I remember looking at it going, fuck this. I don't want to do this. Like, uh-uh. One of those sacral no's, you know what I mean? Where you're like, mm-mm, mm-mm, I don't want to do it. And I'm thinking, well, fuck, what do I want to do? How do I, how do I do life? Do I still want to be at this job? Do I want to have a job anymore? Do I want to get back into being an entrepreneur? Do I want to do coaching? And it had hit me a few times and I've had different people tell me, you should have a podcast. You should have a podcast. Similarly to when people were like, you should be in sales. So I thought it was just, hey, you can talk. So you should go talk. And I was like, all right, maybe I'll start a podcast. I also had my, my cousin, Tom, uh, who you know, um, Tom had told me you should start a podcast. And at one point, like he would just text me the word podcast. And I'd be like, fucking Tommy, stop. Like, I get it, man. Leave me alone. So I, when I started the podcast, I of course had Tom as the first guest, which was great. Um, and now uh, we're around a hundred episodes and it's been, it's been incredible to see that. But that was a start to me actually stepping into who I am today and doing the thing that felt right for me to do, but wasn't really deeply ingrained in my winning strategy. I also spent a lot of time working on the project of the podcast, which was super helpful because going through the divorce and this time of trying to figure out what do I want to do? Who do I want to be? How do I want to go about this? I would spend time when I wasn't working, 
working on the podcast and figuring out graphics or guests and just like figuring out the process to it. And that was wonderful. I was also drinking a lot at that time too. Um, there's really no excuse for that. It was just easy for me to do because I remember thinking, well, I don't have a, I don't have a naggy wife to be like, well, you're drinking too much. I was like, fuck that. I'm going to go get another drink. And I would just keep drinking and spending my time doing the podcast stuff. I did realize that at one point, not only was the drinking not helpful, but it was a problem. And I was an alcoholic and I didn't, I didn't want to name it for a long, long time because of my pride. And I didn't think I had an actual problem. And it took me some time to be able to figure out that I did. So uh, before I get to the alcoholic thing, I I knew in the beginning of 2022, I was like, I'm going to do this podcast thing and I'm going to give it all that I have at the company I was with. I was like, what, what will this look like if it's just me being able to focus on the things I want to focus on? I also started to get back into some of the hobbies that I had when I was a kid like sports cards and memorabilia and getting back into that. And that really made me feel great, not for the nostalgia purposes, but being able to go through and meditate with some of these things, even the organization of it. <laughs> you know what that looks like. You've seen me in the garage or in the house, you know, working through my stuff and just kind of being in my zone with that. So that was helpful for me to go through that. But then when I got to the point with, um, uh, the beginning of 2020 where I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do the podcast. I'm going to do the business or the company I was with. I went pretty crazy. Like I had the best fucking year with that company that they'd ever had in that division. I made the most money that I'd made since I was a consultant in the car business, probably even more than that. Um, and I created a podcast that also led me to creating a business where I was helping people start their podcast or helping people get podcast guests or just doing some coaching on podcasting and speaking and things of that sort. It also opened up the world to me and different people that I would have never met. People like yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and it's funny because I remember thinking, like, I wonder if I'm going to meet some really cool people with the podcast. Like, I'm sure I will, you know, and you have, everybody has, but I was like, I wonder if I'm going to meet my next girlfriend or my next wife. And yes, yes, I did, which is wonderful. Um, but going through that year, I spent that entire year just really kicking ass in the way that I thought I was kicking ass. By the end of it, I remember thinking, I made the most money. We crushed it at the company I was with podcast is moving along. I think we were already within the top three or 5% within the first few months. I was already getting accolades from people and like things are rocking and rolling, but I wasn't fucking happy. And I was like, this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. So what do I do? And then on December 21st, I had a meeting with a woman um, who just completely rocked my world. And you and I had our conversation, which turned into from a 30 minute call to a two hour call to then a three or four hour call, maybe what, five days later or something like that. Seven hours. Yeah. Well, our Zoom call, it's seven hours. <laughs> Even your mom was like, what do you talk about for seven hours? It's like fucking yeah. anything and everything. Um, but that was also really in the moments where I, um, I was thinking like, what do I want to do next for the three or four years before you and I met, I would take off the last few weeks of the year because a lot of the bigger companies we worked with, they 
took off for two weeks. Production at the company I was with told me the inn was closed by like the middle of November. I was like trying to fit people into like bathtubs and sinks with projects, you know, just like trying to bring stuff in. So I would just take off the last few weeks. And that was when you and I met, that was the beginning of that. And I remember thinking even then, like, something's got to change. I need to do something different. What do I do from from here? How do I make this look? Now, I'd gone through that entire year crushing the entire thing that I was doing and everything I was doing, but not being fulfilled, not being happy. I then realized also maybe two months before you and I met that I had an alcohol problem. Uh, I don't think that I'm that I have an addictive personality and you and I've talked about that, but I do know that my childhood trauma and the alcoholism that runs in my family is genetically there and I'm already predisposed to it. And once I got the taste, I was fully disposed to it and uh, stopped drinking in October. And that started to open up different things for me. And I had gone out on a few different dates, but I told uh, friends and some family members throughout that year, I was like, I'm not going to date. I don't want to. Like if I have a date with somebody, great. And there was a woman or two that I had talked to in different parts of the country that I would see at like conferences and stuff like that. I was like, maybe there's a thing there. Like maybe we can have dinner while I'm out at this conference or whatever. But for the most part, I didn't want any parts of it because I wanted to really work on myself. But it's funny, Steph, literally like a week before you and I met, I was in Philly hanging out with my dad and brother. And I remember my brother and I were sitting there in the living room. We're watching football or something. And he's like, so yeah, you dating anybody? He's like, nah, but I think I'm ready. Like I would be open if my person came along. He was like, oh, cool. And then we just went back to watching football and like whatever happened at that point. But it was like a week or so later, you and I met. And that made a shift where I was like, yeah, this is what I want. And I could keep going about this because it kind of rapid (laughs) style in a sense. Like that was the end of December by what the second week of January. uh, We had spent at least 200 hours or so talking with each other. Well, and that's the thing that I want to get into is like we were very intentional. Yeah. We are intentional with each other. And I think uh, I know people looked at us and thought they're moving really fast. Like we we moved very fast in terms of becoming a couple without having have met me going out to meet you, you coming out here, then us moving you here the third time that we were together. Like we moved very quickly, which was something that I said I didn't want to do. But with you, it was different because we were so intentional. Yeah. We were intentional in making sure this was right and getting to know each other and having the hard conversations. But that intentionality, I think, for both of us came from a decision earlier on to be more intentional in yeah. our lives. Like I know for me in 2021, and it's funny, I don't I don't remember making this connection before, but you said May of 2021 was when like the divorce stuff started happening. And May of 2021 was when my two and a half year not right for me relationship finally ended. Mm. And throughout the rest of that year, I got more and more intentional about what do I want my life to look like? I knew I was going to move to New Mexico and I wasn't going to take a damn thing with me that did not belong on me, near me, in my home, in my life. Like I purged 90% of my belongings before doing that. And so also knowing your journey and like the way that you've talked about kind of how 
you flowed through life at times being very dictated by should. Life should look this way. I think that I should do this. It seems like I should do X, Y, and Z. I'm at this age. I guess I should get married. What would you say being on the other side of that where now you're far, like I've only known you as incredibly intentional. (laughs) Like you, the way that you even led us in our early conversations was so intentional, such a turn on. Like, it was like, you were like, we're not going to fuck around with this. You were very clear about your intentions, about the conversations we needed to have. And so having been on both sides of that, looking at people who are just kind of like wandering and floating through life and aren't happy and don't know what to do about it, like, what would you say to them as a first step towards becoming more intentional and you modeled that very beautifully throughout your story like you can see all the moments where you'd get intentional with something and then you'd build on that with something else but i know that that can be very difficult for people who feel like something is impossible and out of reach for them and they're just they feel swept up by life and like they're too far down the river or caught up in the riptide or whatever it is to like get themselves out what would you say to them about how do you become, how do you start becoming more intentional and why is that important? Well, great question. I mean, Steph, one of the things that you and I've talked about many different times is you got to be okay. You got to be good with yourself. You got to show yourself grace. And sometimes you just need to kind of float through. Like you've even said to me, there have been different times where you don't move on anything until you're told to move on something. And that's a, it's a beautiful thought, you know, because most people are like, Okay, well, if I could hear that big booming voice from God, like, (laughs) Stephanie, you need to move this way. Okay, got it. Like, that's great and all, but that doesn't really happen. There are times where that that stuff can happen, but I think we need to show ourselves grace in the moments. Like, there's a specific moment that I have seared in my brain during COVID, sitting in the apartment in downtown St. Petersburg, Florida, sitting in a chair while my ex-wife sat on a couch and dogs around thinking like, we got shit we got to talk about. She's like, no, you're not going to talk about it right now. And I was like, okay. And I didn't. And I felt like I abandoned myself and I beat myself up with that. So taking that moment and understanding that I felt that way, I don't feel like that now. I'm actually thankful that things worked out the way that they did and how they did. Um, But showing ourselves grace and compassion That also then opens up the door to go, well, today is different than yesterday. Right now is different than 10 minutes ago. So you can start whenever and you can start moving along. We don't have kids. We're not planning on having kids. We are not going to have kids. If for some reason we do have kids, the world needs to watch out because God Mm -hmm. is trying to make sure this kid comes into the world. Um, But I think often about people that have just their legs deep in sand. They've got their kids, they've got their family, they've got their uh, situations at work. They have all these things that they really have like roots and they don't feel like they can just uproot. Um, Like being able to move to Portland. I'd moved to Portland in like two weeks after visiting there. And the amount of times people are like, oh, I couldn't even think about that. I was like, well, That'll stop you from thinking about anything else. Like you could totally make that move. But there are things that we put in front of us to make sure that we don't make those moves. 
And I think it's on us to be able to have grace with ourselves, show ourselves that compassion and understanding that we can start right here, right now. And it's different than even five minutes ago. Um, and then understanding that you have to look at those things. You have to figure out what are the actual things, like what's really an obstacle? Um, like what what's really going to stop you? Because a lot of it really shouldn't stop you. Like there are times where people would say, well, I have a job here or I have my parents are here. Or there's this here. There's that there. I'm like, well, they have jobs in other places and your parents are still going to live in that house and they can always come visit you or you can go back and visit them. It's a matter of actually sitting down and thinking through what are those things and then you and I are the feely types. We have to feel through all of it. There are people that need to think through those things and plan through those things. But being able to actually, again, have that grace with yourself and understand that that's what happened. There's no interpretation from that. You shouldn't have an interpretation from that. It just, it happened. And then being able to actually say, well, I'm here in this moment now. And what are the things that I feel like are stopping me? Or what are the things that are obstacles in my way or what could be holding me back from that or just even what are the fucking things like what are they and it may sound silly and childish but just write them down just make a list like i remember making like a mind dump list of like these are the things and these are the things that i don't want these are the things that i do want these are even the things that, uh, for a partner that i don't want and that i do want and like having that to then being able to get that out of your system and then kind of figuring out from there, what do I do from here? <clears throat> it's not like things just automatically become super easy. Like I remember even being in that moment, sitting at the kitchen table that I had being like, well, I've created this video and I'm going to do this coaching thing and all that. And I was like, mm, it doesn't feel right. I'm going to go do a podcast. The fuck, how do I do a podcast? <laughs> What do I, how does that come about? How do you make that thing happen? But making that initial decision or <clears throat> understanding and feeling that deep inside of me, what was right and what wasn't right. And then going, all right, well, I'm going to start walking down this path. I needed to show grace with myself to be able to go, okay, that's fine. Even if I spent that night to just think about it and kind of feel into it and go, what would that look like if I created this, if I did that, or what could happen with that? I, I go back to that story because I think it's important for people to understand that even if that's not the exact thing that's going to change your life, that little shift in direction will ultimately change your life. Like podcasting has drastically changed my life. <clears throat> you and I met. I met so many different people. I started a company. I then joined that company with yours and moved and like all of these things tied together. And we now have the incredible life, the love that we have, the business that we have, all of this, because I made that decision sitting there at the kitchen table going, this thing that I've been pouring six months into, I don't want to do. And I didn't keep fucking pushing that thing. I think that's a big thing to remember that you don't have to keep pushing it. <clears throat> Same deal with the marriage that I had. I didn't have to keep pushing it, but Truth be told, it took me years to get to that point where I could actually have those tough conversations. It's the point where when I finally said, hey, we need to get a divorce, I remember being like, Phew. like I could have like floated up from the chair because I was like, oh my God, that feels so much better to be able to have that. So <clears throat> to kind of recap it, have grace with yourself. Understand that whatever happened, happened. And even if you think it's the biggest, scariest thing that's ever happened, it's happened. And now you get to be able to move from there and figure out what do you want? 
What do you not want? And how do you want things to look? You are in a safe space to be able to think and feel through that. Doesn't mean you have to make any crazy actions or crazy decisions, but start to think and feel through that. What it also helped me was being able to talk about it. Having a therapist and counselors to talk about going through some processing. I got deeper into that when you and I started to really meld our life together, um, was going through in the somatic side of it and getting the shit out of my system and out of my cells and being able to work through it. But having the grace of yourself to be able to then actually sit down and go, well, what, what could this look like? And not being afraid to at least have those conversations with yourself. Because look, if you need to leave a job, you need to leave a marriage. Even if you've got kids or there's craziness that's going on or whatever, like if you feel that you've got, you, you yourself deserve to have yourself to work with you, to be able to actually understand what are you feeling? What could happen from here? When, what couldn't happen from here? And you can do that stuff on your own. You can do, do that stuff with, um, with a therapist or psychologist or even uh, a trusted friend who's not going to be biased. And that's one of the things I had a bit of a support system with uh, one of my really, really great friends who was not team me or team her or team anybody. He was just unbiased and a great listener. And I really appreciated that that was there. But again, that took me having the conversations internally to then be able to open up and go, hey, this is what's happening. This is what happened before. This is where I'm at. Yeah. I think our love story, our relationship, our life and business that we're building together for me is a great example of way of being work. Mm. Like I, I said at the beginning, I wasn't looking for a relationship. I knew that I was ready, but I, instead of going out and trying to find the person, trying to find you, I focused more on how do I become the me that has what I want? How do I become the me? Like I knew from the past that what I had done wrong a lot of the times was get sucked into whoever wanted to be with me and then try to fit into the little space in their life where they wanted me to be. Compromising myself, self-sacrificing, self-abandoning, self-abuse, all of that. And for this to happen, I focused on being the me that I wanted to be yeah. and trusting that that was going to align me with the right people, whether that was the right friends, the right clients, the right colleagues, the right partner to intentionally build that life and become that version of self. And I would love if you could share if there was, whether that's related to us or something else, anywhere where you did that. And what that looked like for you and what that helped create that might have otherwise felt out of reach. One of the things I love about you are the questions and the like straight to the bone sort of feel with it. <clears throat> there are three times that come up for me. One is when I overdosed on heroin. And then two is when I made the decision to get a divorce. And then the third is the you and I decision and what stemmed from all of that. So when I overdosed on heroin, I remember walking home and thinking, all right, something's got to change. Something has to, I'm still here. So there's got to be something different that I'm supposed to do or what's next. And that was one of those moments where I really started to dive deeper into what do I want? How do I want this to be? And 
I was 19, so I still had a lot of learning and life to go through. And the, I guess there are four because the moment in Portland where I wanted to commit suicide and didn't, and then started to shift of like, well, what do I do next? How do I get out of a family business? And what do I do from here? And then the divorce, how do I do this? And how do I be without this person and how do I do life and what does that look like? And right before you and I met, I started to walk through that space of like, what does this look like? And in fact, the, the 21st when we met and the next two weeks were set aside for me to not only do that work, but also like what I want the next year to look like. And you and I met literally like the morning of me starting that. Hence why I almost canceled. Cause I want to be like, I just want to fuck around today, play music and like, <clears throat> then get into all this stuff. And meanwhile, I had a meeting planned with you. Um, and then being able to actually go from there into our relationship. And there were times that were rough in the beginning of our relationship of me being in a desperation space of like, I need to get out of this company. I need us to start ours. And I need to, I don't know what to do. And I felt really confused. <clears throat> And then there was a moment sitting on the porch or like the little vestibule area, um, sitting under the sun, being 5,000 feet closer to it and thinking I'm living in this house with this woman who I love. I no longer live in Florida. I haven't been married for a while and I left my corporate job and now I'm sitting here reading this book that is a mind fuck. And the last word on power fucked my brain Mm -hmm. because I was realizing that I was so deep in my winning strategy through a lot of my life. That was one of the moments where I remember sitting there thinking like, wow, I don't know what is what. I don't know what was real, what isn't real, but I could feel that I was in the right spot. Like there was truly a moment of just joy and gratitude. I remember looking up, blue eyes and all and crying at the sky basically. um, And just being like, what a beautiful life I have with the woman that I love. You were going through health stuff and there was stuff that was happening. And like, I knew that we needed to work on our camper and get into that. And there was like, I didn't have a job anymore. And like trying to unravel from this that I felt like, here's the geek in me. I felt like a symbiote in venom, like kind of peeling off of me and realizing that, I needed to become that person that I was afraid of becoming. And I needed to be able to look at those things that I was afraid of looking at or deeper than I was actually looking at it. So those are the moments that I felt like really shifted me. But the things that stand out to me, the patterns that stand out to me were that I actually put my fucking foot down for each of those moments. I didn't run away scared from those moments. Those were some scary moments though. They were really difficult moments and difficult situations to be in and feeling like you're just floating. But I remember actually sticking my foot down and being like, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm going to do. And having that innate strength of like, all right, cool. Whatever's next. I fucking got this. I'll figure this thing out and feeling joy from that because I was able to make those decisions from that place and be able to walk through that. With that time, uh, the recent time of sitting out on in like the little vestibule courtyard area that was April, May, something like that. 
And the amount of growth that I've had since that moment to where we're at now, recording this in late October, there's a lot. And I, the feely side of me hopes that you've seen that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I appreciate that. There's also the side of me that is proud of what I've been able to do. And there's the side that knows that I have a lot more work to do, but that I'm actually starting to see how these things work and stepping outside of what all the shoulds were in my life. And now we get to be and get to create and work from there. But it took, it took having grace with myself <clears throat> and being able to actually sit in that moment and go, all right, well, what do I want? What do I not want? What's actually happening right now? And not interpreting it, but just looking at the facts of it and going, all right, well, whatever's going to happen, I'm going to put my fucking foot down and I'm going to move and I'm going <clears> to, <throat> I'm going to move uh, with strength and not always with clarity. And I think that's a big thing that there's a lot of people that are like, you need to know what the end is. Keep the end in mind before you do the thing. I don't always know what the fucking end is. Like when people are like, what's your five year plan or your 15 year plan? I'm like, if I could come up with a five or 15 year plan, I can guarantee it's not anywhere close to what I'm actually going to be doing because the world just literally opens up. And I think, I think the divine energy and God really just moves us in certain ways and opens doors for us, but it's on us to fucking walk through that shit and be able to figure those things out. A guy had a huge opportunity with you. I was like, I think I found the woman that I love. I found my match. I didn't get married to get a divorce, but I sure as fuck didn't get a divorce to die. And I didn't know if I would ever find somebody else again. And I found you or Lucy found me for you, but <clears throat> being able to actually like step into that and keep moving and faithfully just keep walking toward that. Even though times were scary when I was like, how do I leave a six figure job that I'm fucking crushing this? And what do I do? How do I leave this state that I've been in and this cushy house and like all these different things? And like, how do I uproot and move? And then what do I do from there? And I'm thankful every single day because of those decisions that I made. But I'm also thankful every single day knowing that I can show grace to myself. I can continue to make those decisions, but I need to listen and I need to feel it. And it needs to come from my intuition. And there are times where you and I talked <clears throat> early in that, where I was like, all right, I'm leaving this job and I don't know what that's going to look like. And we had a call with um, a potential business partner and you, you were like, whatever that fucking was, was gross. And I'm like, I know, I'm sorry. Um, because it was coming from a place of desperation because I didn't know how to just be. And now I'm learning more of that. And there are some days where, and I've told you even recently, Steph, I think it was like a week or so ago. I was like, I'm a little irritated right now because I don't know what to do. I don't know what today's supposed to look like. And I think you had said something along the lines of like, well, whatever you want it to look like. What do you want to do? And I was like, well, we have some project work and I want to play with my cards and maybe some music or something and starting to feel deeper into that. And our intuition will lead us. It's just we have to be open and, and honest to be able to be there. Yeah, definitely. And thinking of anyone who's going through something right now where what they desire feels impossible and out of reach, what's one piece of advice or words of wisdom you would want to give them? When you say something's impossible, <clears throat> you're putting a story together and you're potentially putting up a block because it's not always impossible. Uh, like what I was saying earlier, where I had that decision to make, do I 
go deeper into a coaching business or do I start a podcast and figure out how to monetize and create a business out of that? Or what do I do? That either way felt a bit impossible. If I step back months before that, getting a divorce felt impossible. But figuring out what feels right for you, if being in that relationship, being in that job, being in your own company, being in whatever you're in, if it doesn't feel right, my biggest advice would be work on that. Sit with that. Feel through that. You got to do that on your own first, but then being able to have conversations with people. Now, Steph, you and I are on the same page. Talk therapy is only a piece of it. <clears throat> you have to do the process work. You have to actually do the deeper work. You have to get it out of your cells and you have to process and work through all of it. But being able to actually have that conversation with yourself to be able to go, all right, well, what do I think is impossible? And why do I think it's impossible? What do I feel about that? Why do I not feel right about this? What feels off? And just work with yourself on that. But again, show grace to yourself, show love to yourself and understand that you're just working through that on your own. You might realize that maybe the relationship you're in, you're not giving everything to it because there's something that happened to you years and years and years ago. And you need to work through that. It might just be childhood trauma. And I say that very simply, it might just be, but you can work through and figure that out. That can then help your relationship or help the job that you're in or the business that you have. But being able to actually sit down and go, what doesn't feel right to me? Or if you're the thinking type, what do I think I don't like? Or what do I think I really do like? And being able to work through that. And then taking that step from there to be able to have conversations with either a trusted friend or a professional or one of us and reaching out to us to be able to work through this stuff and figure out what do I do? And sometimes, and we see this with clients that we have, it's them really wrestling with what their calling is and what their purpose is. And it makes total sense why you would wrestle with that because it's trying to get the fuck out of you. Um, so that would be my advice. <laughs> On that note, where can people find you? How can they learn from you and how can they work with you? Well, the easiest way is go to chooseyourcalling.com or you can go to nickmcgowan.com. Um, that'll all get you to the information that you need. Uh, before I would have said go to social media, but I got out of the noisemaker. Um, um, you can actually still Facebook message me, I guess, but I'll probably think that you're somebody looking to buy a piece of musical equipment I'm selling or <laughs> something like that. Uh, the easiest way is just um, our company, Choose Your Calling, chooseyourcalling.com. Well, my love, thank you for sharing your story and your words of wisdom. You know, I adore you. Thank you for not canceling the call <laughs> last year. Oh, I thought you were going to say this Start one. your holiday earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you being here. Oh, my pleasure. I appreciate you. I love you. And I just want to say I am so thankful for the work that you've done to be who you are because it is evident to me every single day that you are much larger than life and that you have such a deep calling and purpose that I, I'm so excited for the life that we're going to lead together, what we've already done together. And I think this is an important platform and you do a great job with this. Thank you. 